Welcome to the Halfways Podcast. I am super excited to speak with Martin John today, and we're just going to jump right into it. So Martin John, who are you and what do you do? So I'm Martin John. I, uh, what do I do? I help people really uncover who they are. And when I talk about that, I talk about this concept of recovering yourself. Uh, I talk about this idea of living under the influence. So I have 21 years clean and sober, and a large aspect of everything that I understand in life has come from my journey in recovery. And it's, and it's this concept of what are we recovering to? So it's not always about what we're putting down, but what is it we're picking up and, and what have we been living under the influence of? I talk about the idea of living under the influence of our parents and our teachers and our peers and our partners and our bosses and our jobs and the economic system and the education system and all of these different things that we come to the we we come to our adulthood living under the influence of and believing in and yet all of those things have taken bits of us away and those are things that maybe we never even had an opportunity to understand or introduce ourselves to and so so that is what I do, and that is that's that's where I talk, and that's where I work. Well, that's perfect because when we're talking about intuition, I believe we're talking about the influence of our real selves. So, what is your relationship to intuition now, and you know, maybe what is your definition of intuition? You know, that's interesting because I do know, like, when we were talking, there's this, there's this question of like, is it the same as when you were using and things and you know intuition i i don't i don't know what <laughs> i don't know how i would define intuition uh, but i do think intuition served me as an addict as intuition told me where i could score intuition told me where how i could find money to score Intuition told me where I could go to buy alcohol as a minor. Uh, intuition guided me to what I was, I mean, we could talk about it in terms of vibration, but what I wanted, right? Intuition, I see intuition as being a neutral and it will be, it will be influenced by you. Uh, it will also hint at better options. And those thoughts will come into, come into play while you're following intuition as you're like, I want to find this. Okay, we will take you to find this. And along the way, we will drop hints of other things. I look at intuition less as being yours as being kind of a collaboration between you and your higher self or God, whatever, the universe, however we want to look at it. It is a collaboration. It is a conversation. And this is, and we can talk about the reticular activating system in this conversation as well, where it's like you train yourself to see things, but you're also being hinted at other options. And so I do look at intuition as a broad scope of like, actually, you could teach your intuition what you want 
Um, but your intuition will always work best when you're working in collaboration with that higher self or that universe or that, 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 that which is in line with your potential. So this is fascinating because I have not had this conversation in this context or in this way before. So this is this is a wonderful conversation. So the question I want to ask is from your perspective, because I, I think when someone thinks about using or addiction, they don't necessarily integrate intuition into that conversation. Um, so in what ways did you feel it in your body that you were being guided to get what it is you want wanted in that moment? You know, it's probably it was probably more natural than it. It is the direction that I'm currently going in my in in my relationship to what we're talking about in terms of intuition, and it is that idea that you let go completely um, when one is <laughs> in a state where it's like. Uh, where you are put in a position to let go of your ability to control what's going to happen next, especially like when when that thing that you want to control are your bowels and other things like that, right? Like your body, like like you can let go a whole lot quicker because you're you're in a state that you have to. Now that state is very low vibrational, but it is it is open to allowing and it is that state that we want to get to without the need of like losing control of my body that that you know like i talk about the Tao all the time and the Tao talks about this you know there's this there's these two lines of you know uh the Tao is a good man's treasure but a bad man's refuge it's like i was hiding and in that hiding it was it was pulling me to rather than guiding me to, right? It was just like, you have to find this because your mind is so, you are allowing this to pull, you are allowing me to pull you to what you're looking for. And when I have more control over my mind and I have more time, I want to control that my ego gets in the way and, and, and I lose track of it. But when I can drop that, then it becomes that treasure Right? Before it was a refuge for me to hide behind. Now it's a treasure for me to integrate. And I think there's a big spectrum in between those two aspects. That, um, And I think if you were to talk to people who have struggled with addiction, they would tell you, yeah, you know, like I can't pay rent, but I always had my, you know, three grand every month to pay for my addictions. Like, how did that happen? Like, yeah, well, that's that's the power of um of intuition it will you will find it okay so i just want to repeat this because i think it's a really important sentiment overall because those who aren't struggling with addiction might be struggling with their connection with intuition how do i get there how do i hear it more how do i have it facilitate that which that i want um, but in that story that you just told what I grabbed out of that is in a state of addiction, you might be at a low place, but you're in a place of openness because what do you have to lose? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, if you can get there without the addiction, that's that's where we're headed. That's the amazing thing. Like when you are when you are not afraid of dying, when you're not afraid of going to prison, when you're not afraid of letting people down because you have to get this thing 
the, your whole life is like tunnel vision in one direction. Intuition can step in and get you what you need. Now, if you can do that, and the thing is, is the more we have a clear mind in a world that is controlled by logic, we want to solve problems before they arise. And so we are creating problems before they present themselves. And so we close off. Absolutely. So fast forward to now in the work that you do, you do a lot of art. Is that correct? So they're like in my work, when I work with people one-on-one, all of my one-on-one work starts with a portrait. And, uh, And that portrait is an intimate exchange that I have with my client and becomes a vehicle for people looking at something and, and it's it's in line with what would be known as gestalt therapy. So when you when you describe something, you you're actually describing yourself. Well, here's a portrait of yourself. So you get to look at yourself. I get to have seen you. You get to have been seen. And now you get to look at this artwork and it and you get to have an exchange of understanding what you are, what you are and what it is. Um, so yeah, that's 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 at the core of my work. When you think about the relationship with intuition, does it feel the same? Are you accessing it the same as you did when you described it being under the influence of addiction? Is it the same openness? Is it the same receptivity? Is it different? It's, 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 it's absolutely different. Um, but that's such a, like such a, there's just so much because no, no. But yes, definitely. It, but and I think it's because of where I am on the spectrum. You know, there is there is desperation, uh, which is openness. You know, like if we can look at like look at this low vibrational thing, it's like wow, that's an actual like being desperate is really kind of a place of openness. Um, but when you get rid of desperation, what? How can you get as open as as that? How can you get as open as like when you're desperate? And that's like and that's like this freedom. Like this other aspect of de- desperate is like, well, you're free, you know. But freedom to that degree, like if you can imagine that, like that's pretty amazing, you know. And and I and I think I can touch that on the odd occasion. It's not like none of this is, is something that is a through line that, that exists every moment of every day. But, but when you notice you're not there, but can you, can you try, not try to get there, but can you, can you touch it again? And then you go back and forth and then it's a conversation um, where in desperation, you're only there and you're only there until you get to escape. And that's why you're there. You're there so that you can escape. And at the underlying of all that, you know, in in addiction, it comes from, you know, self-hate. And it comes from self-disgust. And it comes from all of these things that you're trying to escape. And as those things loom, you become desperate to avoid those things. So my uh, my connection with intuition now is coming because I love myself to a degree that I can trust that there isn't, that I'm not going to get arrested, that I'm not going to die, that I'm not. And, and if I am going to die, like I can open my arms to that. And I'm there. So there's no fear there where we're in desperation. It's all fear. 
but again, it's a, it's a spectrum. And so uh, you, you kind of, they are similar places in some weird way, but it's not the same place. You know, it's kind of like all, you know, a desert's a desert until you've been there. Right. So when you're working through the artistic realm, do you recognize intuitive guidance as anything particular? Oh, a swish of the brush, a particular color? So, so, all, it's, so it should be said, like one of the, the, one of the things that I explored when I started doing this work with my art in the healing world was uh, explore blind portraits in which a person that I've never seen before, I will do a portrait of them. Uh, and I will get likenesses, idiosyncrasies. Like the first one I did, she was just like, you put 20 pounds on me, but that's me. Right. And, and, and then I met her right after, after like to bring the portrait to her. And it was like, it was her, it was her. Like I was able to spot her because now was I able to see her in my head? No, but I drew her. And so I was able to see her on the drawing. Right. And so was that, I mean, I can't imagine that being anything but intuition. Was I present for that intuition? Obviously, but was I aware of it? I was just guessing. Like, I'm just like, let me let go of everything and allow this to come through. And, and what comes through, and, and it takes a lot of faith. It takes a lot of just like, yes, it's there. It's there. You have to know it's there. Now, my portraits, I started doing portraits just as an art practice back in 2000. So I've been doing them for a long time. And so my relationship with them is not littered with doubt. That's an important aspect, I think. Um, you know, like, in short, I'm good at what I do. You know, <laughs> and, so, and so to be able to let go completely while doing a portrait and going, what I am going to draw is going to be the person on the other line that I'm talking to. And just trust that that is going to happen. That was the thing that I needed in order to make that work. Yeah, it's interesting. I think art is a, is a bridge to that sense of openness when you're okay with it. Because a lot of people are fearful of presenting their art. In, in their fear of judgment of what others are going to perceive their art to be. But it can be, in my opinion, a gateway to that sense of openness that we started with, that we're talking about now that can come from a sense of desperation or a sense of connection. It's up to you. And I think this is a fascinating conversation about how intuition is coming through in all these regards to serve you in the best way it possibly can. Right. You know, when you talk about art, it's interesting because I think, you know, art and addiction kind of do have historically run hand in hand. And I think, um, can you go further with that? What do you mean by that? Well, you know, I mean, if we look at, you know, if we look at, uh, you know, the French avant-garde and the turn of the turn of the 19th, uh, the 20th century, like, you know, there's a lot of, it's a lot of drinking. There's a lot of drug use. There's a lot of that. You know, we look at the sixties and seventies, a lot of drinking, a lot of drug use, a lot of debt, you know, like, like I think historically we look at these two things as being similar. And the reason is, is addiction is often comes from, um, the desire for uh, novelty. So novelty seeking, and artists are traditionally novelty-seeking individuals. And then you also have this, uh, you know, like 
in the face of pain, uh, it's not, you aren't going to be swayed by punishment. And I think artists need that in order to have an art practice, um, especially today, like in the face of failure, you're going to continue. And so, um, so much of that is also what happens in addiction, right? In the face of being in prison, you are going to leave and start using again, right? Like this is just like, it, there are a lot of similarities between the two. You're so right. As you're talking, I'm thinking of Hemingway and the drinking and the writer's desire to, you know, find their muse through drugs or alcohol or the need to hit rock bottom before you can find that perfect narrative and that perfect story. So you're right there. They're very interconnected through the, through the years for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and, and there's romanticism about both. And there's, you know, there's all of this. There's, I mean, there's so many places. And the thing is, is that as consciousness evolves and as we have kind of noticed consciousness evolve, we are that, that veil between what we touch as addicts, right? That, that, that veil, that thick wall between intuition and the physical body, right? So the, the, the physical and the energetic, that wall is thinning in consciousness. And so we're able to get to the other side on a, without, without having to get to desperation in order to allow it in, right? And I think that that wasn't possible 15 years ago on the scale that it is today. I think as we're as as consciousness continues to evolve, we get closer to that. Um, and the veil between us and it is thinner increasingly. I agree. I think that our the way in which we access it, the old paradigms are starting to fall apart and we're realizing that if we don't have to go through that pain, no gain type of paradigm before we get to what it is that we actually want, which is that openness, which is that connection. Is there anything that came through in your dark retreat? So you want to tell a little bit about your dark retreat and if there's any connection that you would, you know, call connection to higher self, call connection to intuition, soul. Um, what came through when you went through that dark retreat? So a dark retreat, just for, for those who don't know, is uh, spending an extended period of time without light, spending extended period of time in the dark. Um, so I spent five and a half days without light. And in that, um, there were, there were specific things that came up that I have to deal with, right? Like just the things that, you know, like my shit, whatever. Um, but then it all still revolved around this, it is all you. One of the wonderful things about not being able to see is you can't see yourself. And you can't see things around you. And so unless you're touching it, there's no boundary. And to be um, deprived of sight like you have seen, unless you're blind and went blind at some point, you've seen every day of your life. You have, you have used your eyes every day of your life. You wake up, you see, 
And this is your way of understanding where you are. And this is an influence that we live under. Right? We live under the influence of that which is that which we see. Because we see something and, and we know what it is. We are able to identify the particular and we don't see ourself in the tree. Right? We don't see ourself in the wall. We don't see ourself in like that is a thing that is separate from me. Dark retreat definitely removes some of those assumptions. Um, and when, and it also is interesting that in memory, it's, it's not dark. <laughs> like, you know, memory, we, we've proven, I think, without a beyond a shadow of a doubt, that memory is wrong. And so even thinking back to the dark retreat, I can see everything in the room. <laughs> like, I couldn't, but I can now in memory. And so that's a wonderful reminder that, uh, no, your memory's shit. Don't trust it. Be here present with what's going on now because it's really all you got. And, and it helps me understand that if I step up to a situation with a memory, if I step up to a situation with an idea, if I hold on to something, if I can't let go of everything that happened this morning to be here with you, then I can't be here with you at all. And I am where I am somewhere that doesn't exist. You know, because like, like if I think back to my dark retreat, what I see, like I can see the bed and I can see, even though I'm in the dark, I can see all of these things and yet couldn't see those. And so, so that's something that really comes up. A connection between uh, like intuition and that comes from the space of what I call going dark. And that now I call going dark. And, and it is like this ability to go deeper than I have been able to before and let go of thought, let go of of desire, let go of more than I had been able to, to allow myself the space for it to come in. And, and I don't have to guide it and I don't have to not trust it. Just like when I was an addict, I can be like, I, I, I have no money tonight, but I'm still gonna find 80 bucks to kind of get through tomorrow. Don't know how. I'm going to bed now and that's going to happen. And now I can do that. And I can do that without even having the, I am going to bed without money, like without any of that. I can go to bed with nothing, like nothing even in my head, not even a thought on what I have, what I'll get, what I want, anything. And then just kind of be present to what unfolds as, as I go through my day. During the dark retreat, did you find any moments of panic where the openness was the thing that gave you peace? Again, the openness that we spoke about with surrender. And did you have any moments of panic? I don't know if you, I, I, you have to know this. I've, I've repeated, I don't know. Um, that, yes, I got, I got stung by scorpion. That was the big moment. 
I don't know if you are familiar. So I was I was in the dark and I, I heard this rock fall from the ceiling and it turned out to be a scorpion. I went to brush it away because I thought it was a rock and I get stung. I get cold sweats. I get like tingly, my mouth, my tongue, my like this metallic taste and all of this. And and I was and that was when kind of the that was on day three, early day three. And uh, and that's when I sort of had to fall deeper, right? I had to go deeper because at that moment, I went straight to my mind, right? Um, I had I had all of these thoughts around, you know, being the victim of this moment, you know, for a time. And, and I wasn't going to be in contact or I wasn't going to be able to be in contact with anybody for about 12 hours between my sting and when, uh, when I'd be able to have contact with somebody. So I was going to be in a room in which I had just gotten stung and still are st- like now living in a very small space with a scorpion. Um, and so, and I wasn't sure if the scorpion was deadly or not. After about two hours, I realized it wasn't, but I laid down and I, you know, kind of laid down and accepted my fate for that and then made this decision that like if my tongue was going to swell and suffocate me, I would leave and get help uh, just because it'd be silly to get just for lack of a histamine of an antihistamine. Like, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to suffocate. If I get stung by a scorpion and poisoned to death, I'm fine with that. Like that, that was okay. Um, and, and I should say that, you know, having been through addiction, like embracing death is something that is not, a problem for me. It's not like, oh my God, he could like, no dying. Like I have faced that a couple times. And so it's not, it's not like, so it's not a grandiose statement for me to be like, I will accept death. You know, like I don't have children. There's a lot of things. There are a lot of reasons why I'm, I'm in a position where I can do that. Um, and some of it's my addiction. Some of it was, you know, like when I got diagnosed with MS, I was like, I might be dying. I'm cool with that. And then when they came back and said, you got MS, I'm going to be like, oh, my God, I'm going to be in a bed in the rest of my life. That was more stressful than the idea of dying, right? the idea that I couldn't walk. Um, so as I was laying down, like I really had to kind of go deeper and I had to realize that this was my experience. This thing happening right now is my experience. It has nothing to do with this place. It has nothing to do with the scorpion. It has nothing to do with anything. This is mine. What am I going to do with this? And, and that gave me that. And that was kind of the beginning of this concept of going dark. Like this right here, whatever's going on right now is mine. Very, very personally, right? Like, and the world around me doesn't exist in this way that it can do to me. Because whatever it does to me, I'm still having an experience. And that's the only thing I can attach to. Because the thing that's happening, although, I mean, it's neutral. I'm the one that holds the definition of the experience. And so this is happening here with me. And so so that, um, I don't know if that kind of uh, addresses intuition at all, but it does give me the permission to let go further than I was able to before. Yeah, that's really powerful. 
experience. I can I can say I don't know what I would have done. That's you seem to have really the sense of self to handle emergency situations in a way. And maybe it is the the history with addiction and facing death that you've already sort of wrestled with those puzzles um, in the way that you can. Does intuition have any, does it provide any amount of assistance with the MS, with health? <laughs> so I, I medicate with diet and mindset exercise. I don't, I don't take medication. I don't like the pharmaceutical industry. I did take medication for a year and a number of things happened that made me go, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, and, and so for six years now, I've been working without medication. Um, and I started my journey of diet, exercise and stuff with the book, The Wall Protocol. It was presented to me. I was reading that book. And the first time I read that book, I got so angry because the author is such a smug bitch. <laughs> like, like I was so angry and I, I literally got through like a couple pages and whipped it across the room, said, no, I'll do this myself. Three months later, I get a, I get another flare up that really kind of like it took me a month or so to get walking and, and talking and all that kind of stuff again. And uh, not talking, but walking. It was like from my neck down, lost about 80% of the motor function on my left side. And, um, and so I said, okay, I'll read your book. And, uh, and, and, and it was all that judgment that got in the way and all the judgment of myself and, and was healing that I had to do around the fact that uh, I saw myself as small and here's a person that in her writing uh, made me feel small. And so it was in, it was in alignment, but also uh, I had to recognize that I was the one that was doing that first. And so that healing uh, had to unfold. Uh, but then also uh, intuition now, it's not just intuition anymore with my MS because I can feel like if I cheat on my diet, I feel pretty quickly, like within about 45 minutes, if I have like chocolate or if I have sugar or if I eat carbs or whatever, um, I'll start to feel just a slight bit of, and whether it's psychosomatic or not, I can't say. Um, I, I wouldn't venture to say, let's say, um, but it's not like, so I wouldn't attribute. Yeah, sure. I mean, intuition led me to the book because someone, as soon as I got diagnosed, someone told me, this is the book. I got the book. I threw it across the room. I got another, I read the book. Like, like some of it was me having to do the recovering from work, which is just listen to other people your thinking got you here, let go. And then once I understood it, once I was able to digest the information and own it for myself, I can have it, right? And now it's mine and I can give and take and push and pull and allow or not allow as, 
as I feel most comfortable at the moment. When I was in the dark retreat, I didn't have any sun, vitamin D and MS are connected. I didn't have, I didn't, I wasn't able to be on my diet because they're vegetarian and I'm, my diet has no, like, like even in the book, she was like, if you're vegetarian, this might be difficult, right? I'm on a paleo diet. So, I mean, there's a lot of meat, there's a lot of organ meats, there's a lot of, a lot of fat. And uh, so I wasn't able to have my diet. I wasn't able to have sunlight. There's all this stuff I wasn't able to have. And all of that revolved around my safety. But in the end, like we spoke about, like understanding that, like in that idea of going dark is that idea of understanding you're safe, no matter what. Whether you got your vitamin D, whether you got your food, whether you got MS or not, you're safe. You're safe here. Right. And, and when you can, like make choices that, uh, make it easier for your body to process illness and stuff, then you do that. But if you can't, well, you're still safe, you know, but you don't, you don't, you don't roll the dice on that. You don't just say, well, I was fine being vegetarian there. So now I'm going to be fine being vegetarian everywhere. Cause no, well, one, you know, as we talk about intuition, when I was a child, I thought adults ate organ meats. I thought like my, my parents never did. But I just, in my mind, just like intuited that that was the case. And here I am an adult on a diet in which organ meats are a huge part of it. You know, that was intuition for me as a child that ended up kind of coming full circle. Did I put those together right away? No, I just remembered it over time. I love that story because I, the book that I'm writing, The Halfways, which is what this podcast is about too, is sort of moving along beside it. I talk about that, how you can intuit things that make no sense when you're a kid. But if you can connect the dots later, you can see how you are being guided by your higher self, that you are connected, that you are safe. All the things that you're saying, you know, letting go is the way forward, all of that. Um, so you and I met on Wisdom, which I would encourage people to reach out because now it's Android as well. So they can find you on the Wisdom app. Where else can they reach out and find you and connect? martinjohn.com is my website. Um, and that, that is really the you know, hub of everything I do. You, you, if you're not on wisdom, you can find my wisdom chats there. Um, you can find my, my emails and other things, and you can set up a call there. Uh, Instagram, if you search Martin John, M-A-R-T-I-N-J-O-N, one word, uh, you will, you will find me like, a, like that was, so I am Martin John uh, as first and middle name, uh, but uh, brought them together, dropped the H and, and, and that's been my art. And that was something that, you know, I started on Twitter and all of the places because it was easily searchable. It was easily find, easily found. Um, and so that is how people can find me like quickly. Uh, you can go to martinjohn.com. Uh, Instagram. If you are in the Chicagoland area, uh, I uh, I work one on one with people, and I do the healing circles at Satnam Yoga. Uh, so so that's local, but most of my clients are uh, digital and on Zoom meetings and other things like that. So you can reach out to me, and we can work together that way. Uh, but yeah, Zoom is or, or Wisdom is probably a place that. Um, You'll find me most frequently right now because I still do Tao of the Day, five days a week, Monday through Friday. And then I do a talk on recovery on Tuesdays, usually at one o'clock central. 
and then I'll do other talks as well. But but that's my that's sort of my schedule for um, for wisdom. Yeah, I would suggest people reach out and do Dell of the Day. It's it's pretty insightful and interesting, and I really enjoy it. So I it's one of the calls that I try to come to sometimes it's way earlier than i can get to but you know i like listening back i like participating when i can so that's been super fun thank you so much this has been a tremendous chat i have really enjoyed it and i would suggest that you know what you have to say is is so full of wisdom that you know it's it's worth a couple of listens just to reflect to yourself what bits and pieces you can take from it to help get to that place of more openness, which is really where all the answers are that we we seek in that place of openness. So thank you so much for being with me.